Hey, good morning, church family. This is, uh, if you don't know this, my phone just went off again. I don't know why. Happened the last time I was here, too. Hey, my name is Mike. I'm our Friendswood Campus Pastor, and it's so good to be with you this morning. Uh, welcome to our Tuesday and Thursday TNT devotionals. Man, we're so excited that you're with us. How much fun have you had at church the last few weeks? I hope you've had a blast. I know we have. You know, we've been praying for our ones. We've been intentional. We were fasting. We were praying. We were hoping and asking God for the best. And man, it's been incredible. How many of you did your ones attend church this past four weeks? It's exciting, isn't it? I know mine did. It was a young family that I've been praying for. Actually, one of my uh, son's assistant coaches. And man, it was so cool. They all came to church. And uh, in fact, his son has come a few times now. I think it's two or three times. And it's been so exciting. And uh, man, we're just excited that God is doing something incredible in our church family. But part of it is you. We thank you for your heart, your generosity, the way you love on people, the way you volunteer. We couldn't do what we do as a church family without you. Hey, once again, I want to say welcome, good morning. And if it's your first time here, we want you to know you're a first-time guest. Make sure you log in, whether it's YouTube Live, Facebook Live. Let us know that you're here. Um, if you have a prayer request, write them down. We'd love to pray for you as well. So we've got a few things going on at New Hope Church. First of all, if you don't know this, we started Life Group Connect this past weekend. What is Life Group Connect? It's your opportunity to register for a life group. Life groups are small group Bible studies left by people just like you. Who's excited about life groups? Just saying. Um, but we're really excited about them. So, you know, there are single life groups. There's married life groups. There's men's life groups. There's women's life groups. And there's even a young adult life group for all of our campuses that I'm leading. So uh, um, if you're a young adult, you're looking for a life group, check it out. So what you'll do is all you have to do is do this. Text the word groups to the number 642-123. Groups to 642-123. What you'll do is you'll text that. We'll send you a link. You'll click the link and then you'll go to our life groups page. Right there will be the life group finder. Click on the life group finder and you can scroll through a bunch of different groups. Find the group that works for you. I believe some groups are even still virtual if you're more comfortable with that type of group. Truth is, you just get connected and make sure that you find a life group that works for you. Because like the Bible says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So in life groups, that's what happens. And in life groups, a church our size gets really small really quickly. So make sure you do that because the truth is, is each and every one of us are we're designed for community. And so that's how God wired us. And so get in a life group because the truth is life's better together. Also coming up, starting this coming weekend, in fact, hey, today's Thursday, starting today is our new series, Marriage Boot Camp. It's going to be awesome. Um, Pastor Tim isn't going to be like a regular drill sergeant yelling at you. He's going to be encouraging you because the truth is marriage can sometimes be difficult. Can I get an amen? <laughs> so, so he's going to be encouraging us through this process. So make sure you check us out this weekend starting today. And we're excited. Remember, 7 o'clock church tonight and then Sunday services as well. Also, don't let, don't forget, we have our virtual choir right around the corner. It's so crazy. We're talking about Christmas. If you remember last year during Christmas, people were singing songs. Our bands were leading worship. But then in the background, we had our new hopers virtually coming in. And you guys were the background lyrics. So make sure if you or your children want to be a part of the virtual choir, go to our events page and it'll show the dates and the times. In fact, the time's already coming up. I believe the first one is September 26th. You'll have like like 15 minutes of studio time. They'll record you. It's going to be awesome. So make sure you don't miss out. <clears throat> 
Well, there are a lot of really cool things happening in our church, but you know what? The best thing is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Jesus has always been so good to us. And so today we are going to be in the book of Luke chapter 15. And uh, so if you would turn your Bibles, got your Bible to Luke chapter 15 or your um, iPhone uh, Bible app to Luke chapter 15. But before we get started, I want to pray for you. Jesus, I thank you, God, that you're always so good and you're merciful. And, and God, you're compassionate when we don't deserve it. I thank you, Lord, that you're always so good. And I pray, God, that we would be reminded, even in the difficult times, that you'll never leave us or forsake us. God, that you will be with us by our side. God, you're going to get us through the tough and the good, and the good times and the hard times. You will be with us, but you're going to get us through the tough times as well. God, may you be the loudest voice today, this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so in Luke chapter 15, it's pretty cool because you have a few different stories. And the first story is the parable of the lost sheep. And that, of course, is a story about one sheep escaping, getting out of the pen or, or, or getting lost. And Jesus leaves. He has 100 sheep. He tells a story about a shepherd, and he leaves the 99 for the one, the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd in this story. Jesus leaves all 99 or 99 of the sheep to go after the one because he loves them that much, right? And then there's a second parable, the parable of the lost coin. And it says that a lady um, has a coin and she loses it in her home or, and she does everything she can. She, she searches her entire house until she recovers the lost coin. And when she recovers that lost coin, what does she do? She celebrates. She tells people this coin that was lost has now been found. And if you don't know this, um, so today we're going to be in the parable of the lost son. But if you don't know this, this is the heart of our church. It's why we've been talking about our ones and we've been intentional about praying for them, um, reaching out to them. And we were even fasting for 21 days, you remember, because we know the heart of Jesus is that everyone matters. They all mean something to Christ and Jesus will leave the 99 for the one. And so as a church family, we're doing everything we can to reach those people who are far from God, those people who don't know God, or maybe those people who just haven't been to church in a very long time. We want to help them find a place where they can connect to Jesus. And we want to be intentional about that process. And so today's story is the parable of the lost son. <clears throat> and I'm sure it's possible that you may have read this story, studied this story, heard a sermon about this story, or maybe even watched a movie about this story. Because there are even shows that are titled like this, the pro often called the prodigal son, the parable of the lost son. And so beginning in Luke chapter 15, verses 11, this is what Jesus said. Jesus continued. Remember, because he had just been talking about um, the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And so now he goes on to a third story in Luke chapter 15. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, uh, let me be clear. Um, generally speaking, you usually don't get your inheritance until your parents died. So I think this was a pretty uh, tough way of this son saying, hey, dad, I wish you were dead. <laughs> he essentially wishes that his dad was dead. He says, give me what's coming to me, which, by the way, that's not even the normal route. Even if the father passed away in the ancient world, the first son, the eldest son would have been the one who most likely would have got the most or maybe even all of it and then divided whatever he thought was fair. Um, but in this case, the youngest son comes to dad, says, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my money. So it is obvious that this father 
probably had some change. You know, I, I think I read in one or two commentaries one uh, someone had thought he was a banker. I don't know if that's for sure, but I know this. He must have had some money because he was able to give his son. And in verse 13, it says this. Not long. So he divided his property between them. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set out for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. I'm not surprised, are you? And so um, I don't know what he's doing. Maybe he's hitting the clubs. Maybe he's hitting the bars. Um, maybe he's doing some crazy stuff, buying some crazy things. And so this kid is doing what he thinks is fun. Truth of the matter is, that's what sin does. Sin is always is is never willing to uh, give you the satisfaction that you think uh, it's going to give you, and it always costs you more than you're willing to pay. Um, that's just sin. And and this kid thought that he could buy his way to happiness in some ways, and maybe freedom. I don't know. I'm not sure what all was in his mind, but he's parting it up. And in verse 14, it says, after he had spent everything, there was a famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. And so this kid blows his money. It's all gone. And, and now, you know, he's, he's, there's a famine. The economy has just gone to, um, it's gone really, really bad. It's a, a bear market, I guess. And in verse 15, it says, So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to to his field to feed pigs. So it's very clear here, this was not a Jewish person that he was working for because a Jewish person knew that pigs were an unclean animal, not fit for eating, nor would they pet them or hang out with them. And now his job is feeding pigs. And so in, in the story, I think the idea is that here, that he's trying to show him the lowly estate. This man who was once, or this young man who once had a father who loved him, a father who took care of him, a father who gave him a shelter, a home, and a safe place, and, and was loving. He's now fallen to the depths of depravity. He is with the pigs. And in verse 16, it says, He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything to eat. Think about this story. Have you ever been in a place where maybe you were near homeless, where you lost your job and you didn't know what you were going to do, where you were desperate to pay the bills and you had no one to help? Well, this guy's lost it all. He's in a foreign land with people he doesn't know, far from his relatives. It's not like he can just text somebody, hey, wire me some money. This dude is alone and scared. What does he do? You know, sometimes the best things that God can do for us is let us fall to the rock bottom because that's where this kid is. Let us fall into our sin. Let us make the mistakes that we need to make because ultimately when we fall down, the only thing we can do is look back up. And when we fall down, we have a greater perspective of our own sin. When we fall down, we become grateful for where we used to be. In fact, in verse 17, this is what it says. When he came to his senses, <laughs> that means he knew what he did was not smart. <clears throat> He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. In verse 18, he says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. 
Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And isn't this cool? Because I know this is a hard story and I know it's a hard lesson. But the reality is, is he finally came to a point of seeing himself, seeing it for what he was. I'm sure it was easy to blame everything around him or maybe to shift his blame. But instead, he looks in the mirror and he says, you know what? This is no one's fault but my own. It's not my brother's fault. It's not my dad's fault. It's not circumstances fault. It's not the economy's fault. It's my fault. And I am going to accept the blame and I'm going to get better. I'm not going to get bitter, right? Because when we're in situations like this, where we fall into our knees, when we're down on our luck, when we're at the bottom of a pit, the only thing we can say is either, you know what? We have to be honest with ourselves. How did I get here? And the majority of the time, It's probably our own sin or our own struggles. Not always. But in this case, this young man sees his sin and and he's confessed, man, I need help. And and, And it says on in verse 20, but while he was still a long way off, he's coming home. Imagine this picture. Think about what must have been going through his mind. Man, my dad's gonna be so mad at me. Man, my dad's gonna uh, tell me, I told you so. My dad's gonna hit me. I don't know what's going through his mind. My dad's gonna be so angry at me or my dad won't even be there or maybe he won't even let me back in the house. And look what it says. His father saw him while he was a long way off Filled with compassion to him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Not what he was thinking, I'm sure. Man, this dad had obviously been spending time waiting for his son to come home. There's nothing like a son or a daughter being lost, being a prodigal, and a parent waiting for them to come home. It's painful to a father's heart. And you know, even the Bible tells us that it breaks God's heart when we get caught up in sin and disobedient and when we run far from him. You know, when I was a kid, I'll tell you, man, I made so many mistakes. Uh, I guess at about the age of 14 to 16, I made my parents' life very difficult. Um, I started doing drugs, started drinking alcohol, uh, started partying like crazy. Uh, I'd come home at three or four in the morning and, and my dad was a police officer and uh, my mom, they, they both worked all the time. And, 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 you know, we didn't get along anymore. And, and I, I it was just so difficult in, in, in the house because of me. And I made so many mistakes. And uh, I remember the one constant in my life, every single night, or I, really I should say morning, when I came home, um, really in a messed up state, my mom would be right there in the living room or the kitchen waiting for me to come home. It'd be three or four in the morning and she had to go to work like at seven in the morning. But she'd want to make sure that I was okay. She was right there waiting for me. And you know what? It was with arms wide open. You know, and when my life finally turned around at the age of, I think it was 16, at the end of my 16th year, when I finally turned my life back to Christ, it was her that I went to. And it was her that had been praying for me all those years to come back home. You know, God can change the hardest of hearts, but it will often let us fall into our sin. That's called free will. He gives us the choice to choose him or to walk away from him. And thank God I had a mother who was praying for me. You know, James 5, 16 tells us, confess your sins to one another. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I hope you've seen that in the last uh, few weeks of us together 
how we were intentionally praying and fasting for our ones. I hope you've seen God move in mighty ways. I pray that you've seen God and that you know that God is at work and that you've seen him do mighty things in reaching our ones. If there's someone in your life who's lost or who's a prodigal, like all of us have been at one time or another, don't stop praying for them. Don't give up. And in verse 21, it says this, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Look, he doesn't say, hey, dad, you know what? You didn't give me enough money or dad. You know what? You could have given me, you know, you could have wired me more money or no. He just says, dad, I own, I own my son. I confess my sins. I was wrong. I sinned against God and you. Please forgive me. In verse 22, it says, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I mean, think about this picture. This boy is probably dirty, stanky, probably not wearing shoes. I'm just saying. And he had been in a bad place. He's probably lost a lot of weight. And he's broken and depressed and down. And now dad calls for a robe. Think about this. What does a robe represent? Royalty. Man, you know, he gives him not a, not, not a used robe, not a servant's robe. He gives him a royal robe. Isn't that crazy? The best robe. And put, what does he say? And put it on him, put a ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet. Now, a ring is extremely significant because in the ancient world, a ring, oftentimes they had what was called signet rings. And it was like a ring that you would compress and it would be your signature uh, as someone who had wealth. And I don't know if it was that kind of ring, but I do know this, that the ring was representative of his authority. So, so think about it. It's like, it's like if your kid ran off and, and got in all kinds of trouble, the last thing you'd be thinking about is, here, son, here's my signature for our checkbook, or, or here's my signature for our debit card, or here's a credit card, right? That's the last thing you'd th be thinking about. But this father puts total trust back in his son who was lost, but now is found. And he gives him his ring and then he gives him sandals. You know, in other words, most likely the hired servants wouldn't wear shoes, but he is not a hired servant. He's a son of this, of this, of this estate. And then he says, bring me a fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast. Man, he throws him a barbecue. I'm just saying, he, he's throwing it down Texas style. He's, he's going to have some barbecue, maybe some, if, you, if you're from my tradition, Hispanic, you know, maybe you cut some barbacoa, uh, maybe some ribs. I don't know, but it's good. The fattened calf, and notice, he didn't say any calf, not just a skinny cow. He says, bring the fattened calf. He says, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Man, they're having a party. Why? Because one has come home. That's the heart of God. That's really what this story is all about. It's how much God loves each and every one of us. In verse 25, it says, Meanwhile, though the son was in the field, when he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked, What's going on? Your brother has come, he's replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out to him and pleaded with him. But he answered, Father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Notice he says slaving. 
He definitely wasn't a slave, but it shows you the depravity or the anger, or the bitterness of, of what he was feeling at this moment. And yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. You never even gave me a goat, dad. You never even gave me a goat, right? But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home, you kill the fat calf. Notice the stretching of the truth there. Nowhere in the story does he says there were prostitutes involved. But this boy is so angry, he stretches the truth. And it isn't that how we are sometimes when we're bitter, frustrated, or angry. We can easily stretch the truth so we can justify our own means of why we feel the way we feel. And in verse 31, he says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. What a beautiful image of the heart of God for us. And, you know, think about this for a moment. <clears throat> Compassion. Mercy. Remember what it says that the father had compassion, he had mercy on his son. That gave his son a second chance, but it was his grace that brought him to the feast, the table, to the table where they all sat down and celebrated. Because the truth of the matter, that boy, his whole journey changed his perspective. The process maybe was more important than the goal. But the process of him falling down, the process of him, of God changing his character and him being transformed and coming back to the father was important. But you know what the most important part was? It was the father's welcome. The way the father welcomed him with open arms. The reality is this. We can't save ourselves on our own. It takes the grace of God. While God may have compassion on each and every one of us, grace opens our eyes so we can see we were lost and we need Jesus. My prayer to you this morning, church family, is that in whatever state you are, if you're far from God, man, I pray that you would come back home. If you're wrestling with some sin in your life, my prayer is that you would offer it to God. You know, the truth of the matter is, this is who we are. And this is what the story reminds us of. Our identity is in Jesus. You belong to Jesus. Maybe, maybe God didn't give you a robe when, when you confessed your sins and made him the Lord and Savior of your life. But I would argue he's clothed you in his righteousness. That's what Ephesians 4.25 tells us. And maybe you didn't get a new pair of sandals, but I would tell you this. Ephesians 6 tells us that he's given us the gospel peace, the readiness of the gospel peace on our feet. And maybe um, you didn't get a ring, but I would say you are identified by the salvation. The ring of salvation is on you and you belong to him. And maybe a barbecue wasn't thrown for you, but I will say this. Jesus died so that you might have life and life more abundantly. And maybe you didn't have a feast or maybe uh, people didn't celebrate, but I will tell you this. The Bible tells us every time we take the Lord's Supper, we are reminded that we identify with him and we belong to him and he is good and his grace is sufficient. Listen, I pray, church family, that you leave today encouraged and inspired to, to open your Bibles. And, and I would encourage you to go deeper into this story, into the story of the prodigal son, the son that was lost. Because once upon a time, we were all here, but now you've been found and we can celebrate that.
Hey, thanks, church family, for being with us this morning. Thank you for letting me come into your homes for a minute, and I pray that you've been encouraged. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tonight, 7 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. Marriage Boot Camp, the new series is on, and man, we're so excited about that. Make sure that you bring a friend. If your one only came one time, invite them back. Tell them, hey, it's time to come to the new series. I want to pray you out. Jesus, thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, God, that even when we were lost, you found us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace. God bless you, church family.